Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, Transformation Church. It is good to be here with you guys. My name is Dylan. I'm our ministries pastor. Our pastor, Pastor Jamie, is uh, out of town. He's been preaching at Christ for the Nations, a school down in Dallas, uh, all week long. And then this morning, he's at Hill City Church in Texas, giving the word. And I'm just so thankful that our pastor, he's such a great communicator. And we get to share him, not just here, but with other, other believers, the body of Christ, Um, And so we're super thankful for them. Uh, We've been in this series called Boot Camp, and we have been um, really learning about what it looks like to sit in the Lord. And we started off with that first week, learning what it looks like to uh, sit and to, are we in the right seat, right? We've been seated with Christ. The enemy wants to take us from the seat that we are in with Christ, where he has destined us for uh, glorious living. And so that was really great. And then last week we talked about walking it out. What does it look like when we are alive to Christ and dead to sin, right? We take off the old man and we put on the new. And when we put on the new man, we walk in the way that Christ would have us walk. We walk in holiness and follow after him, right? And so that was really fantastic. And then there's a man, his name was Watchman Nee. He wrote the book, Sit, Walk, Stand. See what we did there? He said this, he said, if we are deficient at sitting or walking, we will not be able to stand because spiritual warfare will only remain talk. This morning, we're talking about standing and what it looks like to stand in the midst of spiritual warfare. And if if we haven't mastered the sitting and the walking, then the standing is really difficult. So if you haven't, I would encourage you to check out those messages. You can watch them online or, or get caught up on that because it's really important for our walk with the Lord as we are fighting against an enemy that we have learned to sit and to walk as we stand. And so today we're looking at what that means to stand. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. So if you would like to turn there, or it'll be on the screens. It says this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the belt of, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Lord, we give you this morning. 
Father, I pray that your word would be revealed to us, God. Father, I thank you that we can be seated in Christ. God, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives and and that we are destined for glorious living in you, Father. Lord, I pray that this morning as we talk about spiritual warfare, Father, that you would help us to stand firm, to stand against the attacks of the enemy, Lord. We love you, Father. We give you all the praise for this morning. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. The title of my message is this, Simply Stand. Turn to your neighbor and say, Simply Stand. I feel it is appropriate to start things off by taking a stand for a few things. I want to get us all in the mindset of what it looks like to take a stand. And so I'm going to take a stand for a few things this morning. And if you feel like you need to take a stand back, you're more than welcome to. If you would email Justin at transformationchurch.us. He was up here singing. He's more than happy to talk to you about taking a stand. So the first thing uh, that I want to talk about taking a stand is we're getting into summer and the grass has started really growing. And I want to take a stand that the minimum requirement for mowing your grass is every two weeks, okay? Every two weeks. Now, y'all who, out, who are out there with the tape measure, measuring your grass to see how short you can get it, that's wonderful. You need to have grace for the rest of us because every two weeks is plenty, okay? Amen. All right. <laughs> The, the next thing I think we need to take a stand, I, I need to take a stand for, is this. Uh, we're headed into summer, right? And, and that means we're going to be at the pool. That means that we're going to the beach. We've got lots of activities going on. And all, uh, I just, I just want to take a stand for the dad bods out there. Here's the deal. Uh, dad bods come in all shapes and sizes. And just because you have a dad bod does not mean that you have been on the couch eating potato chips all winter long, okay? We've been working hard, taking care of kids. You know, sometimes you get into the gym. It just, it just happens. And so here's the deal. I'm taking a stand for the dads out there. We are going to be out there not ashamed of our dad bods at the pool. And we're jumping in, shirts off, all the way in, okay? Here it goes. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. The next thing is this. Oh, thank you. I left my example down there, so she helped me out. (laughs) The next thing is this. I need to take a stand for the sanctity of the house because my wife really likes pranks, and I think it should not be allowed to prank your significant other in the household. Like that is a safe space. And so my wife thought it would be really funny to purchase this. And I don't know if you can see that, but this is a very realistic looking snake. And so I will find this snake in the cabinets, in the middle of the night, at the toilet, and it scares me to death. And let me tell you, you should be at peace in your own home. So, right? Amen. Thank you. The last thing is this, and this may be the most controversial topic this morning. I would like to take a stand as we are headed into summer for spray tans. Now, let me, let me talk to you about it for a minute. Hold on. Here's the deal. Beth Moore put it this way. She said that, that 
tanned fat is better than pale fat. And so here's the deal. Going into summer, it is all good if you fellas in the house want to get a spray tan just so you can look good and feel good. Okay, here we go. Take a stand. There it is. Okay. All right. We are taking a stand this morning. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I think the first thing that we learn when we look at this verse is that we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. So as we fight against the enemy, as we take a stand and the spiritual attacks come, we are standing on the ground that the Lord has already won. It's not our job to go out and take more ground and to defeat the enemy in that way. The Lord has won the victory. Our job is simply to stand in the victory that he has won. To step into the life that he has called us as we are seated in Christ, right? So we fight from victory. The verse continues. It says this, put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I think the next thing that we take away from this passage is that in the fight, it's personal. This fight is something that is an attack against each and every one of us as believers. Paul is making this a very personal passage. And when things get personal, it changes, right? It moves from just words to, oh no, those are fighting words, right? It's, it's personal. You talked about my mama, those are fighting words. There are some things in life that have become very personal to me. My daughter, her name is Oakland. And if you haven't had the chance to meet her, she may run away from you. She's a little shy. She came out of the womb with a furrowed brow. I mean, she gave you the best looks. It was like, what are you doing to me? Like she came out of the womb that way. And, and so she has always been kind of one who's got a little bit of sassiness and, and kind of had that look to her. And it was cute when she was a baby. And then she became a toddler. And it changed a little bit. And I, I took this picture, so I'll show you. This is, this is her. Tongue out, just, I mean, she's giving it to you. Like, that, that is her. And so, it's not so cute anymore. At, and this is where it's really become personal. At night, my wife and I switch off on who gets what kid. I don't have favorites, I promise. And she will put our daughter Oakland to bed. Ten minutes later, she's headed down the stairs done. And then the next night, I will put her daughter, our daughter, to bed. I, I promise I don't have favorites. I'll put her to bed. An hour and a half later, the battle is still raging. This little girl will not go to bed because it's me and it's not mom. And so I'm like, this is personal. Why? What did I do to you? And now things have changed. Like it's personal. I'm really invested. 
I'm making plans. An hour and a half in, uh, next day, we're going to the zoo. We're going to the park. We're going to ice cream. She is going to love me. It's going to happen. I'm fighting for this because it is personal. I think in our walk with Christ, when it becomes personal, it changes. Things change a little bit. Right? As we, we face this temptation to pull back into the collective and just say, you know, Christianity, like big C church or Christians out there. And, and, and when it becomes personal, it, it hurts a little bit more. It requires a little bit more of a change. And so we kind of defer to like, oh, yeah, well, Christians out there, they should be more loving. And then we get in our truck or our car and we're driving around and someone cuts us off and we're pretty quick to throw up the bird and let them know how, how we feel about it. But if the church would be more loving. Or we get online and we're on social media and, and we talk about how the church should be uh, more unifying. And someone posts something that really goes against what we think online and, and really grinds our gears. And we're quick to pull out that keyboard and become a keyboard warrior and just really uh, let them know. And if only the church would be more unifying. When it's personal, it requires a little bit more. Sometimes there's a cost. Sometimes there's a challenge to, to change, to to. To change the way we live. It says, it says this about who we are fighting. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil. So we're in this personal fight against spiritual forces and immediately my mind goes to like devils and angels and demons and and all of that kind of thing and I believe that that we are in a war and there are demons and there is a devil and there are angels and but I think Paul is talking about something a little bigger too he references this word, it's called cosmic potentiates, it, it, the, the spiritual forces. And what he's talking about is the gods that structured the Greek and Roman world. And what they did was they structured this whole entire way of living and worldview through these cosmic potentiates. And so they, they would build a structure for how one should live and how one should act and all of these things through this. And I think what Paul is saying is, hey, your fight, the attack of the enemy is not just the devil, but the devil's schemes. So the attack that we are fighting today is not just demons on our shoulders saying, hey, you should do bad. But it is a scheme of a mindset that is going to take us away from putting God first in our life and putting him as Lord and leader and in him helping us choose the way we should live. It looks like this. One of the biggest battles we're fighting is moral relativism. The idea that you should decide what is right. Not God. I think sometimes that's a scheme of the enemy that is trying to keep us away from allowing God to determine his word to determine what is true. It's subtle. It's sneaky. 
It's a scheme of the enemy. And when we allow those thoughts into our minds, we're allowing someone else to tell us what is true rather than God. And I think when we don't take it personally, we step back and we allow someone else to tell us what is true. We allow an idea. We allow a political figure. We allow someone to come in and say, hey, this is the best way to think about it. And it's subtle. It, it, it can include God. But it pulls us away from his truth. This happened early in the early church. There was a man, his name was Marcion. And he lived in the first century. And the church was just starting out. And, and this attack began. And he began to put out this idea that we didn't need the Old Testament. The Old Testament God is different from the New Testament God. Interesting. He's doing this from within the church. He wasn't a bad person. He was trying to figure this out. And he put forth this idea that, that all we needed was the New Testament. We don't need the Old Testament. And the, the believers in the church got together and they struggled with this. It was about, and, they, and they're trying to figure out what, how do we do this? And eventually they came to the understanding that no, we need the full, uh, full spectrum of scripture. We need the full idea of who God is. And they fought that battle and came out on the other side following the truth. But they had to fight against that. And so I think today our fight, our, our fight is not just against flesh and blood, but it's not just against the demons sitting on your shoulder. It's against ideas. And so I want to encourage you this morning. It's personal. Take it personally. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's personal. All right. But we haven't been left without tools. He continues on and he says this, therefore, since we are in this battle, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He starts to, to bring in this metaphor of physical armor, putting on the physical armor that the Roman soldiers would have worn to talk about what it looks like to prepare yourself for a spiritual battle. It's a physical representation of a spiritual reality. We see this all throughout scripture. And I think one of the beautiful things about this is if that you are maybe under attack and you need help, that physical representation, maybe even just that physical, like coming and saying, I'm going to put on this armor of God can help us in our fight. He mentions that we need to stand our ground. It's very defensive language. This fight is something that is done in defense. It's the armor that is put on is defensive. All of it is meant to defend the victory that God has already won, right? So here we go. First thing is this. We need to put on the belt of truth. Or if you want to go KJV, it's the girdle. But I like the belt of truth a little better. The belt of truth would have been a belt that went around the waist and it supported the rest of the armor. 
And there was a skirt that hung down that protected the legs. It was more than just a belt we see today. Uh, and it, it was something that uh, really was foundational for the armor. And I think the same is true of truth. When we internalize God's truth, it's something that we live and move by. It becomes a part of the integrity that we live by. Truth is essential for how we live. We see this with toddlers. If toddlers don't know what truth is, it's really hard to come to an understanding. It's it's hard to tell someone what truth is. Like our daughter will all the time will ask her, hey, did you eat your food? And she'll come over and say, yeah, I ate my food. That spaghetti was so great. And she has not touched it. And we're like, how do we explain this to you? We got to sit down and say, hey, Oakland, what you said doesn't line up with what you did. And so that's not true. And so we need you to tell us the truth, because if you don't tell us the truth, all this falls apart. And I think this, the idea that God's truth holds everything together is something foundational. That there is a God who created the universe and he established what is true. He established an absolute truth that we can base our life on. And so we need to put on the belt of truth. The next thing is the breastplate of righteousness. This would have been a brass plate or a coat of chain that the soldier would have worn. And it represents kind of twofold. One, it represents God's righteousness. It's the righteousness of who God is. He is holy. He is other. He is set apart. And he he gives us that righteousness so that we can be in right relationship with him. The other side of it, that's called the objective side. The other side is the subjective side. It's how we live. We are called to live righteously or holy or set apart. It's not a real popular thing to talk about, right? We're called to live as the Bible instructs us to live, to live differently. And I think What's so interesting about this is that this is the piece of armor that protects the most vital organs. And when we think about holiness or righteousness, oftentimes what comes up is a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts, the Ten Commandments. But I think what this is showing us is that these rules or the, the way we live is not to keep us from something. It's to protect what is vitally most important. And when we come to understand that because we've been sitting with the Lord, we've been walking with the Lord, we're able to put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard our heart from the attacks of the enemy. The next thing is this, feet fitted or shod with readiness. I remember in Sunday school talking about the armor of God and we would talk about you got to put your feet like you got to put the gospel on your feet and your sandals on so that then you could run really fast. And we would all run around the classroom and it was so fun. And as I studied this, I started to learn that the sandal, this sandal was a little different. 
They're talking about it being shod with something. There was an action here that was happening. They would take these things called hollow-headed hobnails, and they're like little metal tacks. I think about like the old people who, I love the old people, right? But the old people who put their like spikes on to get down the driveway when it's icy, like that's kind of what it was like. I need some of those probably. I'm going to fall down. The, they would put those on so that then they could stand, Right? And, and so this is what it's talking about, that the, the gospel is the, the nails and the things that we stand on. And so as, as we look at it, it, it is this. It, the language is really specific. It says the readiness to stand is what you received from the gospel whose contents are peace. I'll read that one more time. The readiness to stand is what you receive from the gospel, the good news of Christ's death and resurrection, whose contents are peace. So as we stand to fight against the enemy, we stand on the peace, the 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 peace of who God is and what he did for us. In Philippians, it says this, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is a it is an active participation in the the good news of the salvation of who Christ is. This is the peace that we stand on. So I want you to stop for a second just because I want you to think about we are physically putting on the armor of God and we're halfway there. And so I want to take you to my favorite battle just so you can be in the right mindset because we're, we're halfway there, right? So we need to go to Farther Endure, Lord of the Rings. I'm a little nerdy, all right, right? So I would picture that we're in this battle. So close your eyes for a second. We're going to picture ourselves. We're at the two towers. If you don't know what that is, it's just a big castle, right? And the enemy is at the gates. And I love this moment. And they're sitting there at the tower and they've been there and they're preparing for battle and they're sharpening the sword. They're putting on their armor. And I think what's so important here is that as we prepare for battle, the enemy is at the gates. The armor and the sword and everything for battle has to be on before the battle begins. Right? You can open your eyes. Come back. Come back to service with me out of farther endure. Farther endure, right? You have to put on the armor before the battle begins. You have to be ready for the attacks of the enemy. The next thing is this the shield of faith. The shield of faith is not just a mental ascent to understanding and believing who God is. It's something a little bit more. It's active. It says, take up the shield of faith. It guards all the other pieces of the armor. It helps to aid the whole thing to fit together and work well. And so we take it up actively. We do this in obedience when we have a belief in an unseen God who is, who is who he says he is, and we cling steadfastly to that hope. It's that, that is how we wield our faith. It's active. It's when we get that report that we're not ready for, and, and we don't just believe because we're hoping that it's going to all work out, but we believe in the way we act. We start to be obedient. We start to pray. We start to, to seek the Lord. There's an activeness to this shield bearing. 
The last one that we're going to talk about for a moment is this, the helmet of salvation. And it's an interesting thing. Why would he reference the helmet of salvation after we've just talked about the gospel? Why would he put both? They seem very similar. Scholars believe he's referencing a passage in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17, where the Lord is talking about putting on a helmet of salvation. He's talking about this armor a little bit, and he's doing it as he is actively saving people. And so the helmet of salvation, I believe, is a confidence that we don't just serve a God who is far off, but we serve a God who is a savior, who is actively involved in our situation in saving us from the attacks of the enemy as we stand in defense on the victory that he has won. And so I ask myself as, we, as we're looking at all of this, why talk about all this armor and all of these things just to play defense? Like, man, I'm ready. I'm armed up. I'm ready to go take them out. Why? Shouldn't it be something more like sit, stand, and then walk? And then I started to pray about it and I started to think and I was like, man, this life is hard. All of us suffer some sort of attack from the enemy. We all make mistakes that try to pull us away from who God is. And as we are walking, as we get attacked, the armor protects us, but it doesn't keep us from stumbling. Sometimes the attack's so heavy that it knocks you down. And it's in that moment that if you're wearing the armor, that you have the power and the ability and the strength left and maybe it's all you have to stand back up one more time, to keep fighting, to to keep believing that God is who he says he is. So maybe the stand isn't always just standing in the battle, but sometimes it's when we've fallen and we're at our weakest moments that the armor of God allows us one more time to stand. And it's not always just for us, I think. Sometimes this becomes a little bit more uh, of something that's bigger than us. Because we live life in community and in the church. And and I think there's something really special and powerful when your family sees you and you've been knocked down by the attacks of the enemy or your coworker sees you. Maybe you cut a corner at work, but you've got the armor of God on and you've been knocked down. And in that moment, you choose to stand and keep fighting and keep going. And they see that God is who he says he is. They see your faith. They see your integrity. They see the way that you are following him. Proverbs describes it like this. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. I'm going to talk about this last item. It's the sword of the spirit. And in the original language, the authors would use this word kai, it was and. And so in your Bible, you'll notice there's a, there's probably a separation here, but they would, they, when they wrote it, it was all like smushed together, right? So it's, it's all put together there. And scholars believe this, these passages are very connected, even though it's a little bit of an awkward transition. It says this, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The sword is the last thing. It's an offensive weapon. But everything leading to this moment has been defensive. So we can't just switch to offense. We have to ask ourselves, how do we... How do we think about a weapon that is meant for offense used in defense? What is Paul getting at? He follows it with this. He says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We often interpret that to mean the scriptures. But what if, what if we took it to say the word of God in the beginning was the word who is God. And we started to say, wait, maybe he's taking aim at something a little bit different. Maybe he's taking aim at the name of God. He talks about it earlier in Ephesians. He says this in Ephesians 5, 20, always giving thanks to God, the father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about the name of the Lord in other places of the Bible. And so we start to build this idea of what is the name of the Lord? Why is there power here? Why is that the offensive weapon? It says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 through 20. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where there are two for where two or three gather in my name there i am with them john 16 verse 23 says this very truly i tell you my father will give you whatever you ask in my name until now you have not asked for anything in my name ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete There is power in the name. There is power when we believe and we use the name of God and and we do it. How do we do it? He continues. Why Why does he continue? He says, we use the name of God when we pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we end with an offensive weapon, but it's been all about defense. So what does an offensive weapon look like from a defensive posture? I think it's this. That we use this weapon, that we wield it not by our power or our might, but by his. The power is tied to the name. Not just the name of a carpenter that lived here on earth, but a name that has been invested with the title and authority given him by God after he became obedient to death. It is the outcome of his sufferings, the name of his exaltation and glory. And today it is in that name, which is above every name that we gather and we ask of God. So what does an offensive weapon in a defensive posture look like? I think an offensive weapon and a defensive posture looks like when we take a knee and we get in a vulnerable place before the Lord and we evoke the name above every name and we say, Jesus, I need you to fight this battle on my behalf. 
I need the God who created everything to go before me because you have made a way and it's in that way that I'm going to stand. And as we use the name of God, we stand in the victory that he has won. So if you've come here this morning and it feels like the enemy has been after you, he has. But God has given you the power of his name to use against the enemy. And all we have to do is put on the full armor of God and go to him in prayer and humility and on our knees and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to go before me. So I'm going to ask two things. If you're here in this room, if you would, close your eyes and bow your head. And if if you're here this morning and you're saying, I feel like I've been under attack. I feel like there's an enemy and he's been after me. But I've never made this thing personal. I've never made it personal and, and I've never uh, made a, had a relationship with the Lord. Or maybe it's been a long time since it, this thing has been very real in my life. I want to give you an opportunity to, to make a fresh start, to make it personal again. The Bible says that all we have to do to be saved is, is to believe in our heart and confess in our, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And when we do that, we go from just just this thing that we're doing to this personal relationship with a Savior. And so if that's you, if you're here this morning and you want to make a fresh start, I'm going to invite you just, if you would lift your hand, I'm not going to call you out or, or bring you forward or anything, but I'd just like to pray with you. If that's you, if you would raise your hand, if you'd like to make it personal. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, I thank you for this morning, Father. I thank you that you are a personal God, that you see us, that you sent your son to die for us so that we could have life. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to put you first, that you would wipe our sin clean, Lord, that you would move every barrier from relationship with you so that we can put you first as Lord of our life. Father, help us to make it personal, to walk with you from this day forward. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. One more thing, if you would, with your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here this morning, I don't want to miss an opportunity. If you've been fighting, if you feel like you've been under attack, I want to take a moment just to pray with you. We don't fight this fight alone. It's personal, but it's not something we do alone. So if that's you, if you've been under attack and you want to pray and you want prayer, I would love to pray with you. If you would, just slip your hand up. If that's you, if you feel like you've been under attack, yeah, hands over. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this chance to be together. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would help us stand in the victory that you have already won. God, I pray that you would help us to have the, the, the faith to believe that you are who you say you are, Lord. Father, I pray that you would help us to follow after you with righteousness and holiness as we put on the breastplate of righteousness, Lord. God, I pray for each and every person who is under attack this morning. God, I pray that you would draw near to them, Lord. And as they go before you, Lord, that you would move on their behalf, that you would begin to fight the battle, Lord. 
You are so good, Father. We give you this day. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.